If you will, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 140, the 140th Psalm as we continue our study through the Word. Now, this Psalm here is a, a Psalm written by David, and the subscript says that it's a, a prayer for deliverance from evil men. And it begins in verse 1 by saying, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men, and preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent, and the poison of asps is under their lips. Here we see that David now is crying out to God and, and he is asking for deliverance. Deliverance from the plot of evil that was uh, against him. And he seeks it now to preserve me from violent men, deliver me from uh, evil. And, and much in the Lord's Prayer, where it says, deliver us not uh, in the temptation. And here we see, deliver us uh, from uh, evil. Wickedness seeks to expand into our hearts and into our lives and to tear down every bit of godliness that there is. And we see here that God's desire is that we would turn away from temptation and that we would seek after him. David now is mired with this oppositional force in his life. Evil men are planning things. They're gathering together. They're taking counsel. They're seeking to destroy David. And we see that David turns to God. He just seeks after the, the power of God. And intercession prayer here, praying and, and interceding in his situation to God. He talks about how they sharpen their tongues like a serpent, and, but the poison of asps is under their lips. He says in verse 4, Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked, and preserve me from violent men who have purpose to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. And so here we see that for the second time in this psalm, he says, preserve me from violent men. Men that are seeking after the destruction of David here. And, and we see that, that David is seeking after this protection. He prays that God would deliver him as a strong shield about him and, and also that he would reveal the traps of the enemy, the snares of the enemy. And we see here that they are seeking the destruction of David. Now, it is interesting how David had this opposition and men who were seeking to lay snares and destroy him. And, and we see the same was true for the son of David. 
for Jesus and the way that the Pharisees and religious leaders, they set their snares, they set their traps, they were seeking to destroy Christ. And it was expedient that one man should die, then a whole nation should perish. And, and they sought to lay hands on Jesus and to oppose him in the marketplaces, to disgrace him and diminish him. And, and we see here this, this tremendous opposition. Whenever we are seeking listen to this whenever we are seeking to glorify God with our life we are going to run into opposition oppositional forces because we're wrestling not against flesh and blood we're wrestling against the host of wickedness and and darkness does not listen does not want to be interrupted by light <laughs> can you imagine that the the darkness that they are in they do not want to interrupt it and so when the light is present they seek to put the light out they seek to snuff out the the light and so here we see that David is feeling this this incredible oppositional force that is surrounding him and so he he calls out to God God help me help me be my shield go before me defend me protect me in verse 6 he says I said to the Lord you are my God hear the voice of my supplications O Lord O God the Lord the strength of my salvation you have covered my head in the day of battle do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked scheme, lest they be exalted. And so here again we see David now crying out, Hear the voice of my supplications, O God. We see that David's enemies caused David to press in more deeply to the Lord. We see David not relying on himself. He's not relying on his own schemes. He's not gathering mighty men around him. What is he doing? He's going to the Lord. He's pressing in to the Lord. And so he presses in. He cries out to God here. And he, he asks uh, that God would be the one that would be the strength of uh, his salvation. He says, you covered my head in the day of battle. And so a helmet over his head, a covering, a protective covering. You remember that Paul writes in Ephesians about the full armor of God, this armor that isn't armor in the flesh, but it is armor in the spirit. He, he here is speaking about being out in battle and yet being protected while he is in the middle of the battle. God knows that we're on the battlefield here. God knows that there is a tremendous struggle between light and darkness, between good and evil. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you as a servant greater than his master. And, and so understanding and recognizing that we are going to be on the battlefield. And, and so here David, recognizing this, asks for the protection, the covering of his head in battle. And Ephesians talking about the, the full armor of God. And it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But above all, 
taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the, the word of God. And so the, the shield of faith, able to quench the fiery darts and the enemy is going to shoot fiery darts at you. He is going to, to shoot darts of doubt, of insecurity of fear of anxiousness seeking to have you quiver and quake uh, rather than being strong in the lord and in the power of his might the helmet of salvation speaks of that ability to protect your mind uh, from the thought life that the enemy would seek to take and turn you away from Meditating on the things that are good, noble, just, of, uh, of good report. If there be anything meritous or well-pleasing, meditate on these things. Fill your minds with the thoughts. Protect and guard your mind with this helmet of salvation. Our thought life is so important. Our thought life is so important because where you put your mind, your heart, and emotions are going to follow. When you start thinking about your troubles, then your emotions start to get stirred up as you start to grind on your troubles. But if you will pray, give your troubles to God, and then meditate on God, meditate on the good things that you have in your life, then what happens is, is that your heart, your emotions are encouraged. So wherever your eyes and your mind go, your emotions are going to follow. The helmet of salvation is, is taking and protecting your, your thought life. And when the enemy shoots a thought into your mind, the Bible tells us that we're to take every single thought, what? Captive. We're to capture that in thought and then usher it out so that it doesn't roam around in there and so that it doesn't tear us up and then drag us down. We're to capture those thoughts that we know are from the enemy. You remember how Peter is telling the Lord, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Jesus has just said that he has to go to Jerusalem to perish, that a prophet doesn't perish outside of Jerusalem. And you remember that Peter's like, Lord, you're bumming us out here. You know, you don't need to go to Jerusalem and, and die. And you remember what Jesus says. He turns and looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me. Who? Satan. Satan. The words that Peter is speaking, he thinks that they're words of encouragement. He thinks that Jesus is just feeling a little down and he's going to come alongside and, and encourage him. But Jesus instantly recognizes the source of those words and the thought now that is trying to be put into his head. Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. Satan was trying to keep Jesus from the cross from the time that Herod slaughtered all the, the babies. And, and Jesus knew what the will of God was in his life. And so he recognized instantly, though the words came from an apostle, from Peter. The words weren't in Peter's. And, and I want to caution you to be careful, even of Christians and brothers and sisters who can be well-meaning, but, but they can be speaking things that are not uh, from God at all. That helmet of salvation, being able to discern and to learn the voice of God and when that's God speaking and when that is not God's voice at all, 
how important that is for Satan loves a mind that does not have a, a helmet uh, on it, uh, that is not protected, that is not guarded, and that just allows some thoughts uh, in and out without that filter and without that obedience to take your thoughts captive to the Lord. Now, I want you to know that you are not responsible for a thought that comes into your head, but you are responsible for what you do with that thought once it comes uh, into your head. Here, we see that David is in praying, cover my head, Lord. Keep my head protected in the battle. It's true in the physical battle. It's also true in our in spiritual battles uh, here as well. And he says, don't let them have victory. He says, lest they be exalted lest the ungodly be exalted. Our job, our purpose, once we're saved, is to bring glory to God, to exalt God, and to declare His goodness. And, and David doesn't want his enemies to triumph over him because they will be exalted. But David wants God exalted. And so and here he appeals to, to God. As for the head of those who surround me, let the evil of their lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits that they rise not up again. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. And so here David is now praying that their own wickedness would return on their own heads <laughs> with, with the same wickedness with which they are seeking now to destroy the righteous. May, may that evil just come right back uh, upon uh, them. I know, verse 12, that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. And surely... The righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence. And so David says, I, I know that God is going to, uh, to maintain. He is going to be on the behalf of those who are afflicted and, and he seeks justice for the, the poor. We see that David here see is seeing himself as someone who is poor and needy now and in need of the help of God here. He knows that God doesn't just help the important, but God helps the unimportant. God doesn't just help the wealthy, but he helps the impoverished. God doesn't just help those that are strong, but he also helps the, the needy. And David now, is asking for that help and, and justice for the poor. Surely the, the righteous give thanks to your name. Praise would be given by all of the righteous who God champions. And, and he says that the upright shall dwell in your presence. How glorious that will be when one day we will dwell in the glory of the presence of God. 
The psalmist in Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. And here David is declaring the upright shall dwell in your presence. You see the unrighteous are going to come into the presence but it's coming into the presence at the judgment seat. And then they will be cast out of the presence of God and they will not dwell in his presence. God will not dwell in the presence of the unrighteous. And so the need for every single one of us to have our sins forgiven us and washed and cleansed so that we can dwell, the righteous will dwell in the presence of God forever. And so David here, looking forward from the troubles that he has, what does he do? He lifts his eyes up. He prays. He asks God for help. He asks that his enemies wouldn't be victorious uh, over him, that they would be glorified, uh, but that God would get the glory by giving David the victory. And we see that David was concerned with the glory of God. And then from victory, he goes all the way to the future of standing in the presence of God and dwelling there forever. Jesus told us that we're going to dwell there. He told us that uh, uh, don't get too attached to your homes. These are just mm, temporary. But mm, I am building you a mansion that where I am, you might be also. It's interesting to think that you have a mansion waiting for you. You know, I always think of the exterior of the mansion, but I wonder what it's going to look like on the inside and who's the interior decorator of the, is there furniture in heaven? Is there, a, you know, an Ikea that you can go to? And, and, but I imagine in heaven that the furniture puts itself together. You know, you don't have to have the instructions and, and any of that. But, but it is glorious to, to think about the, that we are going to dwell in his presence and, and to think about the fact that you're going to walk up to the gates of heaven, they're going to open up. And Christ himself is going to declare to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom and receive your reward. And the bells will be ringing and the saints will be gathered together to welcome you, your family and your friends, your loved ones uh, that are there and before you and in the presence of God and there will be no sun or moon for the glory of the Lord will be the light itself. And, and this is the future and the hope that God has promised to every single one who loves him. How magnificent and glorious that isn't going to be. In this journey down here, this path that, that we are on, hold everything lightly. It's just a vapor. It's just a... Paul says it this way. He says that the, the present trials of this earth aren't even worthy to be mentioned. Wait a minute, Paul. 
you never had COVID back then. <laughs> you know, you mean this whole COVID thing here isn't even worthy to be met, not even worthy to be mentioned. You mean forgetting my mask every time I get out of the car and have to go back and to get my mask to go into the store because I forgot it? That's not even worthy of being mentioned? <laughs> Sickness and trials, not worthy. Financial pressures and careers, not even worthy. Heartbreaks and heartaches, nah. Not even worthy to be mentioned in comparison to the glory of what God has prepared for you. And so over and over we see the instruction, get your eyes off of your, your troubles. They are so minuscule in comparison to the glory that is waiting for you. We have to work it out. We have to walk through it. It's not easy for us to walk through, but here we see that David gives us a great instruction to go from troubles to prayer to asking God to be glorified to seeing himself walking into the presence of God and spending eternity there. Psalm 141. We see once again that <clears throat> David is, uh, is asking now for safekeeping, for this preservation from uh, enemies. And, uh, and so verse 1, Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands is the evening sacrifice. And, and so here again, we find David in peril, crying out to God. And, and he's praying. He says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. Now in the temple, they would come at the hour of prayer. The people would be outside praying. They would come in and they would take incense and go into the, the holy place, <coughs> to the altar of incense. They would take a coal from the an altar outside with them, bring the incense, and, and then they would put the incense on the coal, uh, and they would then, and the incense then would rise up in the temple. And the typology is, is that the incense is the prayers of the saints now rising up to God, and that our prayers are, they are a sweet and smelling aroma to God. How sweet it is when when your children call you to say hi and to check in on you and, and to just see how you're doing and, and to catch you up on the things that are going on in, in their life and, and how glorious it is. And you get off the phone and it was like, that was such a nice visit, just hearing their voice, so sweet. Our voice to God is, is like that. When we talk to him, it's like it's a sweet smelling aroma. He says, let my, let my prayers rise up like, like incense uh, here is, and lifting of my hands at the evening sacrifice, a, a posture of the presence of God. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. And, and here again, we see that, that David is cognizant uh, of, of our mouths. And, and 
The New Testament tells us, James tells us, that the tongue is such a small little thing and yet is incapable of such great destruction. He says no man can control the tongue. But we are thankful that though we can't control our tongue, that the Holy Spirit can control our tongue. When we walk in the Spirit, then self-control is a fruit of walking in the Spirit. When we jump into the flesh, boy, does the flesh love to use the tongue, doesn't it? I mean, our tongue is so quick when, we're, when we are in the flesh to get activated. And, and we see that the, that the Spirit is trying to just keep your tongue tamed and bridled and and under control. God wants us to use our tongue to praise him and to build up one another for the edification of the body of Christ, to exhort and to encourage and to instruct. That's, that's what the tongue is for. But man, the enemy loves to use our tongue to tear down and to bite and to gossip and to destroy the, the unity of, uh, of relationships. And the wounding that you can do to a person's soul with the words that you use. And, and so here David now asking God for help in, in this area. Does anybody need help from God on putting a guard over their, their mouth and, and the things that they say? I know, I know I do. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And I love verse four, do not incline my heart to any evil thing. Do not incline my heart. Don't let my heart get attached or, or, or to move towards anything, God, that is displeasing to you. And, and so we, we live in, in a world where evil is just ubiquitous. It is everywhere. And here David is saying, don't let my heart get attached to anything that is wicked, become such a, a battle. Addictions are, are so difficult to overcome when our heart becomes to get attached and then we head in a direction and evil is there to put its hooks into us and then to pull us and to hold on. And then it becomes such a battle to try and get those hooks out and to try and get our flesh free again. And, and David says, I don't want to waste time having to go through battles uh, like that. Don't, don't even let my heart get attached to anything that isn't uh, of you. And he, he says to practice wicked works, to practice. The reason that you practice is in order to get good at something. He says, I don't ever want to get good at evil. I don't ever want to practice something that is displeasing to you where, where now I, I, I become skilled at it. He says, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Uh, here we see that David is cognizant that that the influence of the people that you spend time with is, uh, is important. It's important who your friends are. It's important to who the people that you fellowship with and who you gather around and, and how important having 
godly voices in your life is. The Bible tells us that a little bit of leaven leavens what? It leavens the whole lump. When, uh, when we've got wicked people that are around us, they, they invite us into the world and the things of the world. They introduce the, the, the world and the things of the world. You should try this, and everybody's trying this. This is the newest thing, and don't worry. And, and, and they're bringing these, the things of the world be, before you. He says, I don't want to practice evil with, with wicked people who are practicing evil. I don't. I don't want that, why? Because it hurts our relationship with God. Because it hurts our relationship with God. And anything that we do that hurts our relationship with God is a bad transaction. It is like trading gold for copper. When, when you trade the things of the world, Jesus said it this way, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and what? and lose your soul. If you lose your relationship with God and you have every single thing else that there is, he says, bad transaction, bad transaction. If it's bad at the extreme, it's bad in the small measure as well. And so anytime we are trading anything in our lives that is evil, regardless of what the experience is, evil is defined by in opposition to the will of God for our lives. And, and anytime we are dabbling with that, it comes at the expense of the integrity of our relationship with God. And, and so here we <clears throat> see that we need to use wisdom to be able to recognize and understand in our priorities what's the most important thing that there is. And so David now is asking for help. He knows that his own flesh is weak. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is the flesh is weak. So know this. Your flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. How do you know that, Pastor? How do you know my flesh is weak? I'll tell you how I know. The Word of God tells me that your flesh is weak. That's how I know. I don't know it personally about you. I know it from the Word of God, and I know it from my own self. And so here we see that don't trust in yourself. And David is saying, God, I need help. And today, in the world that is around us, we need help to be able to navigate the, the wickedness that is around us. And, and David is asking for that help. In verse 5, he says, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. We see here that David's talking about the importance of having an accountability partner. He's talking here about the importance of having somebody that's willing to tell you the truth about things and is willing to show you the, the things in your life that's not pleasing to God in love. He, he says uh, here, let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. Would you rather have somebody who will enable you in your sin or someone who will call you out on your sin? Would you rather have someone who will try and make you feel better or someone who will tell you the truth? And David is saying, I'd rather have someone that's going to give me, give it to me straight. E even if, <laughs> if it hurts me, I would rather know the truth than be deceived, walking in deception here. And, and this is why David is saying that, let the righteous strike me. It means confront me with truth. He says, let them do it. He says, it, it'll be a kindness. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a 
of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When a, a friend tells you hard truths that nobody else will tell you, that's a faithful friend who will tell you the truth. It says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, you're so amazing. I'm, I'm your number one fan. I can't stand that person over there. You know, it's like the, you know, these deceitful words uh, of an enemy, somebody that's not for you, but man, they pretend they're for you. David says, my prayer is still against the deeds of the wicked. David sees the expansion of wickedness and he, he wants wickedness driven out, driven out of the land. Do you want wickedness driven out of our land? Yes. Do you want wickedness and unrighteousness just driven out of, of our nation? It feels as if it continues to encroach further and further in. And, and, and David hears, my prayers against the wicked. Make no mistake about which side I am on. I stand against wickedness. I stand on the side of righteousness. And I desire to have wickedness overthrown in our nation, overthrown in our communities, overthrown in our cities and towns. And to stand for righteousness. David stands for righteousness here. My prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. He says, their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff and they hear my words for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave and when one plows, this breaks up the earth. David wanted to see the wicked judges overthrown, thr thrown down by the sides of the cliff. How important it is that a nation have righteous judges, have righteous judges for if the courts are perverted if the judges are corrupt then then there is no way to have a righteous outcome take place and and so you can have politicians and governments that are corrupt but when the courts will not render a righteous decision then the nation is truly in trouble. David recognizes that here and he says, may the unrighteous judges, may they be cast over cliffs, just they need to be gone, just get rid of those judges here. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord. In you I take refuge. And do not leave my soul destitute. Here again we see David saying, in you I take refuge. So important for us to take refuge in the Lord. This has been a distressing year. Certainly not the year that anybody could have uh, ever imagined the hardships and the difficulties that we have faced in addition to life's normal hardships and difficulties. This has just been an added layer on top of it. And and it is so important. I just want to continue to remind myself and to remind you to take refuge in the Lord, to take refuge in the Lord. And, and as we look at the things going around, it's so easy to let our hearts get, get stirred up. But when your heart gets stirred up, you need a refuge. 
A refuge is a place to just close the door and to just forget about all of the difficulties and the hardships. And, and here we see that the psalmist says, do you know where my refuge is? Man, the Lord. I just step into the Lord and just, oh God, you are so good. I have nothing to worry about in you. And just go, he is our safe harbor. Harbors are amazing, the, the way in which they are protected from the waves of the sea and the ocean and the, the ships can come in and they find this place of place, state of peacefulness where the, the boat can rest now. And, and the Lord is our safe harbor out of the, the, the waves out on the, the sea. And, and so here David again declaring that, that I take refuge in you. Do not leave my soul destitute, verse 9. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall in their own nets while I escape safely. Here we see that David just prays that he would be delivered from the, uh, from the traps of the enemy. Now, remember how King David, before he ascended to the throne, how uh, he was hunted and, and Saul was constantly chasing after him and yet time after time after time, <laughs> the Lord would uh, deliver David uh, from it. And, uh, and here he, he says, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. And the Lord delivered David over and over and over again. Psalm 142, we see that this here is again a psalm of David when he had fled and was in the, the cave there. This is probably the cave of Adullam that's mentioned in 1 Samuel, though it could be there were caves also in En Gedi where David spent time. And, and so could be either one, but he says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice and with my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication I pour out my complaint before him and I declare before him my trouble and here again we see that David prays he's a man of prayer when he is in trouble and he's compressed he prays and I want to just really encourage everybody to cultivate that in your life that that you don't angst over your problems but you just take them and pray about them you just take and bring them to the Lord and give them to God and and when we do that it reduces our anxiety our stress our uh, our state of upsetness we can just Rest in the Lord when we give our problems to God. Here we see that David is constantly crying out to the Lord. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt just alone? You're just lost. You just feel like nobody cares. Nobody sees me. I'm invisible. Do I even matter? 
Does, does it even matter? Do I even matter? David is feeling that way. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is the same David, are you ready, that took down Goliath. This is the same David who was a shepherd boy that was anointed as king over the nation of Israel. This is the same David who marries the king's daughter. And yet here we see the loneliness, the isolation that he is experiencing, the oppression that, that he went through. You know, it's easy to look at David and go, wow, this is a true rags to riches story. Shepherd boy becomes king over the nation of Israel. But when you look at the hardship that he went through and the heartache that David went through in his life, and, and we see that that constantly God was intervening and helping David all through his, his life. And, and so we can get to that place when we feel like no one cares about us and that our spirit is just overwhelmed when we're just overwhelmed. You ever just said, I'm done. I'm just, I am done. You ever get to five o'clock in the, uh, in the evening and you feel like I've already had enough for this day. This is, this is enough. I am overwhelmed. This is, uh, this has been quite the day here. If you have ever felt like that, know that David was there. God knows. He says, my refuge failed me. I tried to go on vacation, thought that would fix things. It, it didn't. I, I thought I'd go play golf and it would all be better afterwards. I thought I'd just, I would just simply veg out and, and just stream Netflix for 24 straight hours. And just, he says, but my refuge failed me. He says, the things that I do that, that normally have helped me, they weren't enough. I still was in a place of hurting. And then David says, and I cried out to you, O Lord, and I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. David felt overwhelmed. He felt like he can't win this battle. He felt like there's too much against him that he, he can't move forwards. And, and again, you see kind of this depression, oppression, this, this crush that was upon him. And, and you think David is the one that, that went out and slew Goliath. You know, the courage of, of David to take down. And here he is going, man, I don't think that I... I don't know. I just feel like no one cares. I feel like I am all alone. My refugees, have, they've all mm, failed me. And, and so he presses into the, the Lord and he says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. But David recognizes that his soul is trapped by this mm, oppression. And, and where does he go with it? He goes to God. Bring, bring my soul out of this dark place, God, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. And, and so we see the upward note that this psalm ends on. He says, man, I'm downcast. Would you, would you help me so that I can praise you, so that I can add to the praise of others, my own praise as well. Psalm 143, we see that 
Once again, this is a, an appeal for mm, deliverance and guidance and direction and, mm, and help. And so, verse one, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me and in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. David is approaching God and he says, I'm not approaching you on my righteousness. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your help. None of us deserves God's help, amen? But we can call upon the mercy and the grace uh, of God. That's his character. And so David is saying, I'm coming to you not because I'm righteous, but I'm coming because you're merciful. He says, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. And therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. And, and so David knew sufferings of, of many kinds uh, here. He says in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands unto you and my soul, soul longs for you like a thirsty land. He says, I remember the days of old. I wonder if he's thinking back to his boyhood days. The days that he would be out with the flock and David was a musician and David would sing songs out in the pastures while the flock is hanging out and David would write songs and in many of the psalms that we're reading this is one of his songs that he wrote a psalm that he wrote later on but but David would just praise God and just worship God and the bleeding of the sheep and beautiful days outside and he goes oh i i think back to those days when uh, i didn't have a worry in the world and i was just praising you and worshiping you oh answer me speedily O lord my spirit fails do not hide your face from me lest i be like those who go down into the pit cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. I love those cosmes, the two cosmes in verse eight. Cause me to, to be able to hear your voice. When, when we are in distress, sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of the Lord when, uh, when the noise of the stress and pressure and fear is, uh, is racing in our ears. And, and David now says, would you cause me to be able to hear you? You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. But there's times when it's really hard to quiet your, your life down, when life is coming at you like a locomotive, when it's coming faster than, than you can handle it. And he says, God, normally I would, I would be still and know. Can you just shout right now above the noise uh, that, that is going on in my life? Cause me to to hear your loving kindness in the morning and cause me to know which way I should walk, which way is the right way. God, I'm so confused right now. Just help me, just lead me, just guide me right now. Deliver me, O Lord, verse nine, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me 
in the land of uprightness. Teach me to do your will. I love that. Teach me how to walk in the Spirit. And every day that is the battle, is it not to walk uh, in the Spirit? When you wake up in the morning, the first thing is to get into the Spirit. To get into that place of trusting God, of resting in Him, of knowing that He is going to supply you with the grace sufficient for whatever the day has for you. And once you're walking in the Spirit, guess what? Then you're ready to see anybody else. (laughs) You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're really not socially ready (laughs) for any interactions until you're walking in the Spirit. And so getting into the Spirit and starts your day walking in the Spirit, and then it's how long can I stay in the Spirit before I get knocked out of the Spirit? Sometimes that can happen on the drive to church. (laughs) Then how long does it take me to get back into the Spirit? Then how long can I stay in the Spirit and then get knocked out again? And it's the it's the battle all day of being in the spirit and getting knocked out of the spirit, in the spirit and in the flesh and back into the spirit and back into the flesh. And it is this back and forth. And, and the goal is to spend more and more time each day in the spirit and less and less time in the flesh. And, and then to be able to go for, you know, a day or two or, uh, and, and just continuing to increase the amount of time that I can walk in that place exhibiting that fruit of the Spirit. I can be exhibiting now the self-control and gentleness and kindness and goodness regardless of the circumstances that are going on in my life and in spite of the frustrations and the pressures and the disappointments and the hurts and the heartaches to just be able to continue to love. When I'm walking in the Spirit, I can love through anything. But when I'm in the flesh, I am completely self-centered and, and I am sharp and difficult and hard and harsh and critical. And, but man, in the spirit. And so here we see this, this, this battle. He says, teach me, God, I, I need to learn. This isn't something that just comes natural. Walking in the flesh comes natural. <laughs> Walking in the spirit Mm -mm. dying to the flesh, crucifying it on a daily basis. No, that's a daily activity. That's first thing on the to-do list uh, each and every morning. Teach me. And so if we're going to be taught from God, then we have to have a teachable spirit, amen? We have to have a teachable mm, spirit. We have to keep being learners, keep on growing, keep allowing God to uh, instruct us. Your spirit is good. He says, lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. David was king over Israel, but he never forgot that he's a servant of God. I don't know who you are and what you've accomplished in your life and in the accolades that you are deserving of, but underneath whatever you have accomplished in your life, I hope that you're able to say, but I'm a servant of God. 
but I'm a servant of God. Above everything else in my life, I'm here to serve God. How do we serve God? By glorifying God. How do we glorify God? By loving others. By having the aroma of Christ upon us. By serving others. Psalm 144. This is a, a psalm here for preservation. Once again here he says, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I love that. Blessed be the God who trains my hands for war. War? War with who? War against the enemy. And so, hey, we have got a kingdom of darkness uh, here and we are in opposition to that and God has to train our hands uh, for battle against uh, our enemy. He says, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues uh, my people under me. And so mm, here we see that we are called to put on the full armor of God, but the battle belongs to, battle belongs to the Lord. And God just calls us to armor up and show up and he will do the rest. He is the one that will give us the victory, but we have to get onto the battlefield. And I think that that sometimes is, is the battle, just to get onto the battlefield. And, and so, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And David muses on this. We have this holy, righteous, amazing God, and yet he cares for me? God, I don't even understand that. How can, how can you love us like you do? And then also how short our life is. He, he is putting things into perspective. And, and when we recognize the brevity of our life, what happens is, is it prioritizes us to not waste our life. It helps us to recognize that every single day is a gift from God because tomorrow isn't promised to any one of us. It truly isn't. And there are times when, when someone that we love will die or there will be a reminder of how calamitous that situation could have been and, and how our lives could have been gone at a turn. And yet God has spared us and allowed us to live. And, and oftentimes we come out of those experiences with a new appreciation for, for the blessings that God has given to us. Sometimes we can become very ill and come out of that illness. And, and we have a new appreciation for relationships and for life and, and for people. I think that COVID is doing that and also for us. I think that when we come out of COVID, we're going to have a... man. A, a greater appreciation for fellowship, a greater appreciation for family and for connection and for relationships, the things that we lost that, that now we will be able to regain once again. And, and so David here is just reminding that man is like a breath, just like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke flash forth lightning and scatter them shoot out your arrows and destroy them we see that now he is looking up at the omnipotence uh, of uh, god stretch out your hand from above and rescue me 
And deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And so David now is, is being confronted by this adversary. And he says, but what is the strength of the adversary compared to God who can shoot lightning bolts out of the, the heavens? Uh, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. And, and David recognized in all of the battles that he went into, and David was a warrior. He was a warrior and king. And underneath David, the expansion of the nation of Israel was tremendous. And, and David always came back uh, alive from every single battle that, that he was in. In fact, at the end uh, of his life, towards the end of his life, he gets old and, and he starts to put himself into peril because he's old. And they're like, David, we love you. You can't come out with us anymore. You, you are alive liability on the, uh, on the battlefield, but God spared him in every single battle. David came out alive, and, and he says, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars, sculptured in, in palace style. He's praying now for the blessing of his offspring, for his children and his children's and children, that, that the land that they pass down would be a, a land that is blessed by God, where our children will be able to grow up in peace and safety and, and the blessings, the abundant blessings of God be upon them that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets, that when God is reigning in a culture, that culture is at peace, it's blessed. Our country was a one nation under God. under God. From sea to shining sea, God blessed our, our nation. And here we see this, this blessing of God that our barns would be full, that our sheep would be multiplied, that, that crime would be down, that there wouldn't be yelling and fighting and rioting in our streets, that cities wouldn't be being looted and burned down, that the peace of God would reign over us. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are those people that have that happiness. You are our Lord. You are our God. And you are our King. And God, we ask that you would just continue to do a great work in each and every one of us, Lord. Mold us and shape us 
God, teach us. And may we have teachable spirits, Lord. May we run to you in times of trouble. Lord, may our lips speak out. Worship, praise, and prayer to you. And may you be that refuge that we need in times of difficulty and calamity. And when we are struggling and battling, Lord, would you give us the victory? Help us now, Lord. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Bless us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.